Hello and welcome back to Talking Manchester United. On this episode, I'm joined by Joe and Rohit as we review the win over Manchester City, discuss the latest news regarding Edinson Cavani, the new director of football and technical director roles, and if they will have a positive impact on how the club handles transfers. We also look ahead to the games against AC Milan and West Ham. Hello and welcome back to the Talking Manchester United podcast. Um, I'm Matt and as always I'm joined by Rohit and Joe. Guys, how are you doing today? Very good. Doing well, thank you very much. Excited, I would say. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, Big, big result on Sunday with the 2-0 win over City. Um, A very, very surprising performance. I think, you know, Joe and I gave score predictions that didn't expect a 2-0 win at all. Rohit, you predicted a surprise, and we certainly got that. Um, Rohit, I'll go to you first. What were your takeaways from the game? What impressed you the most about the performance? Uh, first of all, credit to the to the players, right? Everybody on the pitch has absolutely given their all. The amount of effort that was put in from every player was was absolutely outstanding, I have to say. You know, Fred was all over the pitch. You know, Bruno was, as always, um, defending, attacking, doing doing everything. Um, the defence was really, really strong, very solid. Um, of course, it's Manchester City, right? They're going to trouble you here and there, but nowhere near everyone thought that they'd trouble us. Um, and I have to say, uh, I've been a bit tough on, on Anthony Martial for all his performances in the in the recent past, but I think that he was absolutely outstanding, except for that one bad finish where he smacked it straight at Edison. But uh, once again, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has uh, tactically come up as a masterclass with a masterclass against Pep Guardiola, um, despite us having big injuries with uh, some key players out, we've still managed to do do a number on on them with um, heart, desire, and basically just just wanting it more and being relentless. I think we can be very proud of them. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. I was pleasantly surprised at our approach to the game at least defensively I noticed pretty much straight away rather than just kind of camp on the edge of our box and like just attempt to defend for our lives one of the first things we did I'm sure you guys picked up on it too was we attempted to kind of press them high and try to win back the ball in good positions where we could kind of take advantage of it and that was the first thing that we did and obviously resulted in the penalty and from there we had something to cling on so I thought that was a refreshing approach to a very big game against probably level with Bayern Munich, probably the best side in Europe. Um, and we've seen a lot of teams kind of cower in fear city. So it was kind of cool to see that um, Rohit, I know on the last pod, you mentioned that um, you wanted us to just show courage and, and not show any sort of fear. And so clearly that message got passed on to the guys. So that was great to see Joe, what were your thoughts on the performance and what um, stood out to you and, and who especially stood out to you? I think the the number one player that impressed me was Luke Shaw. Um, in my opinion, he's been the best Premier League left back this season. Um, it's all down to him, his individual work with the coaches and stuff. I know people say it might be a cause of Tellez coming in, providing that competition, which has added a bit of hunger to his game. But I think he deserves the utmost credit for what he's brought to this squad. He overlaps fantastically on that left-hand side with Rashford. He offers so much going forward and his tracking back is excellent as well. He got that pivotal goal and when does Luke Shaw ever score? And it was a page yeah. of a finish as well. So I was um I was delighted with the performance. We came out, we didn't show any fear as Rowett said. We played our all, we gave everything for the badge. And that's not you can't, as Bruno said, post game, it was the almost perfect performance. I don't think you could have asked for anything more. The only one sort I, of I downside we had, um I thought Fred was a bit too sloppy in midfield for my liking. Um he had a few poor touches. Um, he gave the ball away a bit too much and it sort of made me think that I'm not sure he is someone in midfield who we should look to keep in there longevity wise I think he's been a he's been a really good player and his improvement has been fantastic over the past couple of seasons he joined for a huge fee and we were expecting big things in the first season under Mourinho or so the half season under Mourinho we didn't really see that but he's improved a lot since but I'm just not sure he's that player uh, that we need and Ruit said last week as well um, Declan Rice 
is the player that we should look at in um in sort of like a holding midfield position that Fred can't I'm not sure he's he's able to sustain that position and play it to to the best of what the team needs. So I think Declan Rice is the exact player that we need in there to replace him. And obviously he's gonna come at a at a big price because we've got the English tax and the United tax that clubs like to add on. I mean we saw if it was another club instead of United that went for Harry Maguire, I don't think he would have gone for eighty million, possibly fifty five to seventy, something around that. So it depends, obviously, if the club want to break the bank and go for it. I think we definitely should, but Fred is just... I like him, and I think he's a great squad player, but I'm just not sure he's the right player for us going forward. Yeah, I agree completely. I thought Luke Shaw was exceptional, um, as you mentioned, both going forward as well as defensively. I've always kind of worried about um, Luke Shaw against uh, tricky wingers, especially Riyad Mahrez, but um, on Sunday, he pretty much pocketed Mares, And of course, Wan-Bissaka always seems to pocket Sterling whenever we play City. Um, I agree with the point about Fred. I found myself kind of pulling my hair out with the amount of times that he had just given the ball away in midfield. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, we're going we're gonna to pay for that if we continue to just give the ball away to City cheaply. Um, Rohit, another player that stood out to me that, um, as we've discussed, and I'm sure everybody um, is aware of, that gets plenty of abuse and criticism sometimes fair and a lot of times um, unfair. Harry Maguire, um, I thought he was, alongside Lou Shaw, I thought he was exceptional. What were your thoughts on his performance? I mean, exceptional. Uh, I, mean, I missed out on Luke Shaw earlier, but I'm guessing we can talk more about him later on. Uh, Harry Maguire was an absolute beast and a colossus in that defense. Um, you know, he, he has his weaknesses and... There are games where he makes mistakes, but uh, it, he tends to step up a lot in the big games. And I think as time goes by, he's growing more and more into that captain role. Um, um, Manchester United, as you know, talk a lot about their TikTok achievements lately. Um, and if you watch a couple of TikTok videos that they have uh, with no sound added, you can hear how much Harry Maguire is actually commanding and screaming at everyone. Yeah. Um, so when the big games comes, he tends to be very vocal and and, and up there. Uh, only area of improvement really for him is to be a little bit more consistent against the smaller teams because they are those individual areas. But I have to say he's 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 getting you know stronger and stronger, and I can't wait for us to have that pacey uh, centre back besides him. Um, that will definitely bring out uh, the the Harry Maguire we were all expecting to have at this club. Right. And talk about Luke Shaw really quick. Um, what did you think about his performance? Luke, you know, Luke Shaw is that on and off the pitch, he's one of my, my favorite players at Man United. Uh, um, after that horror leg double break that he had all those years ago under under Louis van Gaal, uh, he's, he's recovered step by step. And I think that under Jose Mourinho, he was not managed, man-managed or emotionally well-managed. Uh, by by a person like Jose Mourinho, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has bought out a lot of the good things in him with the with the other members of the coaching staff as well. Um, and yeah, of course, a little bit of a, of a fire under his backside with uh, Alex Telles knocking on the door has has really spurned him into life. But it's all down to Luke Shaw. His attitude is amazing. Um, he's 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 up and down the pitch constantly. I mean, you look at that that throw from Dean Henderson. He he was screaming for the ball. One touch. Um, you know, and he, he got it past uh, Jean Concello, barreled up and down the pitch, and he puts in a he 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 puts in such a shift, right? He he just went for that that that, and he drove at the defense. And I've noticed now in the last ten fifteen games or so, right? He's driving more and more in the defense through the center. He's almost like a central midfielder at times, or a box to box midfielder. So mm-hmm. very good, mm-hmm. very 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 happy to see his his growth, his return to. Uh, to being the left back we thought we signed for what was it twenty three million so all those years ago, and um, I uh, I hope he continues this because I'm not going to stop tweeting Roberto Carlos come outside on Twitter every time that he puts up one of these performances. Yeah, I thought um, t- I I was very very pleasantly surprised to see him even progress the ball as as far as he did for the second goal. And more surprised that he actually took the shot on. And I think that just kind of speaks to the confidence that he's currently playing with. So long may that continue. Um, 
Another player I'd like to speak about briefly before we move on and talk about some of the stuff that we've been seeing in the news. Anthony Martial, um, again, another player who comes in for a fair amount of criticism. Uh, Joe, what did you think about his performance at the weekend? I thought it was absolutely huge. And it's um, the performance we've been crying out for all season. He's had such a disappointing campaign so far. And, you know, he just about passed fit as well to start. I don't think any of us were expecting that. And he came out with a mm-hmm. superb traditional number nine's performance. His hold-up play was absolutely fantastic. As Rowan said, he should have had a goal when he hit it straight at Ederson. But, I mean, apart from that, I couldn't have asked for anything more from him. I think, um, obviously, it's going to be a tough situation next year with the striker spot. Um, so it, this is his time now, to towards the end of the season, to prove himself um, if he can be that starting number nine and our starting striker next season. Personally, I don't think it's going to happen, but um, I'm here to be. I'm happy to be proved wrong. Um, I'm always going to back the players, no matter what. So if he can keep this up, you know that would be a, a delight to our season. Um, he just needs to find that consistency that we haven't seen. People like to speculate and say that he's not a Solskjaer type player, but he had his best season last year under Solskjaer. He was fantastic alongside Rashford up front last season. I think it's just a. It might be just a. A dip in form that we see in most players throughout the league, especially United. We have a lot of problems with inconsistencies at the club. But if he can keep this up and we see more performances like this, accommodating Bruno, spreading it out wide and dashing into the box, I can't see any other option for next season. But he has to get better and find that consistency or else that's the, that's the problem we've seen this season. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Uh, Rohit, talk to me about Anthony Martial. What did you make of his performance on Sunday? He was he was really outstanding when it came to that uh, to that um, hold up play, right? Which is which is historically his best feature, if you ask me, right? Uh, as a player, and you can see a little a lot more confidence coming in. I think uh, minute seventy or seventy five, he tried this audacious, you know, little flick, and I noticed that he was he, he picked the pocket of the the midfielders quite often, and he turned um, you know turned it into a into a into a short counter quite easily. So definitely that confidence started to come back. And um, look, Anthony Martial is a, is a very, very, very talented player. Um, his close control and dribbling skills at his best, I believe that he can, on this one attribute, he can compete with Lionel Messi. Um, uh, probably people are laughing when they hear, when they, they hear me say that, but uh, hey-ho. Um, but... Once again, I have massive doubts on his on his long term ability to be that thirty thirty five goal a season striker that we need, and I sincerely hope that if he turns a corner here, it's not another uh, another push a false yeah, start. Yeah. You know, we've we've seen Andreas preseason Pirlo, as I call him. Uh, making us think that he's the he's going to be something huge, and then after preseason, back to square one. And I hope it's not going to be like that with Anthony Martial. Spurt of great form. We all say, you know what? Let's give him another chance. Um, and then uh, and then it doesn't work out, unfortunately. So he's had enough time at Manchester United. Different managers, different styles, different shirt numbers. He's been giving a, given a lot of good good things. Um, but um, uh, without being too negative about it, I have to say, ultimately. Credit where due, his performance against Manchester City was absolutely superb. Right, I agree. I think that his hold-up play, to your point, was very, very important to our ability to kind of um, relieve some pressure from time to time and just kind of hold on to the ball from time to time. And hopefully, this will be something that he can build on, just because I think we're all keen to see the Anthony Martial towards the end of uh, last season, post-lockdown, when he was scoring goals for fun um, and was convincing everybody that he could be that central striker that we've been crying out for. So hopefully, and and of course, you don't want to get too carried away off of one performance, but hopefully this can be a performance that he builds on in games to come and, you know, just ultimately kind of shows us his true form and we all know his talent so hopefully he can just kind of continue to build on this um now let's speak about some of the news that has been surrounding united uh this week so um i'm sure you guys both heard about the 
reports surrounding Edison Cavani um, and his future at United, reports saying that he wants to return to South America and play for Boca Juniors. And United have the option to extend his contract by an additional year. So what I would like to know is, do you guys believe, given this recent information, that we should sell – well, not sell him, but do you believe that we should take up that option for an additional year – or do you think it's just best um, for all parties if you were to just move on at the end of the summer, um, even if that means that we have not secured a signing such as Erling Holland? And Joe, I'll go to you. Or actually, Rohit, let me go to you first. Aha. Uh-huh. And this is an interesting question. Um, one thing I'd like to say is that um, it is very, very uh, common from for social media based rumors um coming from latin america to be badly translated and not shared in the right context now yesterday's mm-hmm. rumors came out and i have to admit first of all i'm not perfectly fluent in spanish i understand some stuff but um um i was given to understand by a couple of people who read the article and speak uh good spanish that his father did not say that he is leaving and that he's going back this the summer what he said was that he would like him to come back to south america or he would like to return to south america someday there was no insinuation of it happening this summer whatsoever yeah uh, or mm-hmm. definitely happening this summer it would it was more like it would be nice to see him back home kind of thing okay now it could also mm-hmm. be that uh, if anything uh, this is merely uh um an attempt by somebody to 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 poke and cajole um um a trigger of that uh a, of that additional year of his contract i'm not sure but we see immediately yesterday um unlike certain french players at manchester united whose agents and family members talk too much about his future uh the minute that that report has come out edinson cavani has posted on social media a picture of him saying that he is very proud to wear that shirt and why not he should be right and he has been very good for us uh unfortunately just those injury issues so i'm not going to jump too quickly to that uh, uh to that uh, rumors of him wanting to leave now in terms of the striking issue that we have at manchester united if you look at the financial numbers this year uh with the covid impact and the amount of match day revenue that we are going to lose we're not going to have fans in in the stadiums before the start of next season as a minimum yeah and that too will be a phased return united are not going to have a 200 million pound summer okay there is going to be either one player coming in of sancho or maybe a striker in in haland now ultimately um i'm not sure what ole will go for my personal bet would be going for haland but uh, i may <laughs> be wrong there maybe the right winger is the one that we need first uh, of those two positions of course we know we need that basic center back and a defensive midfielder as well so united are not going to go and splash big um they probably get one player uh, one or two two marquee players maximum with pogba going yeah so uh we need to decide first of all what that position is that we're going to fill yeah do we make a do we sign a cut price striker like like Danny Ings and a smart buy like i said we always need to make smart buys rather than expensive buys look at the signing like like Alex Telles right um you know last year of his contract not too expensive at all very reliable player can do a good role for us so we've got to decide where we're going to put our bets and if i could choose i would go for Haaland as that number one priority in that attacking lineup because i believe Ahmad Diallo uh and Facundo Pelestri will compete and push and become better and better and could be the next Jadon Sancho right uh and we could get the option of using Greenwood on that position or some people believe using Greenwood as the striker and get signing Sancho so it's it's a very difficult one um and it's not going to be an easy call this one and I, i'm not not too sure we'll 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 uh, we'll know anytime soon it's going to be a really long summer with a lot of rumors for sure right right um joe I'll come to you what are your thoughts on the speculation surrounding cavani's future at united and if it were your decision would you take up the option to um keep him at the club for another season or do you think that we should already be kind of 
um, planning for the future, and we should just kind of um, let him go in the summer. If it was my personal decision, I would definitely go with taking him back on for a further year because I'm not sure Holland is quite gettable this summer. I think we're going to have to wait another year or two before we can properly afford to sign him. But um, even if it is a, a mistranslation from his father in that interview, um, he'll be a big miss at that striker spot, not just for squad depth, but the veteran uh, experience that he brings to the side that we're lacking a bit at the minute. We have a very young side, and I'm sure he adds a lot of leadership to that dressing room. Um, but at the end of the day, he's 34. He's uh, very injury-prone, and uh, he takes a lot up on the wage bills. So I think if his wish genuinely is to leave and return to South America, I, I wouldn't be in favour of keeping him a, an unhappy player against his will. Um, I think if he is unhappy in the dressing room, not happy with his role at the club, um, obviously I can't blame him because of how the FA treated him during the racism case. It was cultural racism against Cavani. Um, he was treated really badly by the press um, for something that you know completely he didn't mean and something that has a completely different meaning in Uruguay. So I think if we have an unhappy player in the dressing room, it damages the, the team morale and the squad togetherness. So that's one thing that Solskjaer has tried to um, instill at the club is you know the DNA, the, the family nature of the club. So I think that could damage it if Cavani is offered a new contract and he's unhappy. And obviously, that it's out of his it's out of his control. If it's um, it's already in his contract, so if United trigger it, that's him. He doesn't have to sign. He's already here for another year. He doesn't you know have a choice. We could always sell him if he signs that contract. Um, but I can't imagine there'd be any clubs going for him when they could sign him for a free in the next summer. So, despite it being it, but with the potential for it to be a big miss. United have moved on from players. We uh, Ronaldo left us. We won a title shortly after. Um, no players bigger than the club. So we're Manchester United. We'll always move on from anything. And if he goes, then so be it. Obviously, it'll be a, a loss to the club and to, obviously to our goal to score in depth. But there's always players out there we can sign. And even if it is Holland this summer, that's even better. Yeah, I um I hope sincerely that to Rohit's point this was a mistranslation and I hope that um Cavani wants to remain at United for another year. Um just because I'm not sure I'm really sold on the prospect of us being able to sign Erling Haaland this summer. Um having said that, if it is a translation or if it is a mistranslation, but the truth is that he still does want to return to South America, I agree with Joe's point that we shouldn't keep any player at Manchester United against their will. And um, this might be a controversial statement, but I think that if we let Cavani go and we don't go and sign um, an Erling Holland-esque or someone, I don't know that there's any striker on his level, but if we don't sign a top-tier level striker, I think that a year where we can kind of, I think we go out and we address the other areas in the squad, and I think we can let, Martial and start playing Mason Greenwood down the middle and maybe let Ahmad Diallo get more minutes on the right. Um, and then maybe even that means we bring someone like Joe Hugel into the mix from the academy um, as a third choice. I think that might be sufficient just for a year to allow us to then reassess our options at the striker position. But I, I agree with Joe's point that no player is bigger than the club. And if he wants to leave then, you know, we should we should kind of cut ties and look to move forward. Um, but I do sincerely hope that it is a mistranslation and that he does want to stay because I do believe that he contributed yeah, a lot to the team. Um, and in other news, um, I'm sure you guys also saw the big news today about us uh, making a bunch of new um, appointments. Namely, we hired a new director of football. Um, uh, forget John Murtau, yep. I believe is how you say his name. Um, new technical director, of course, ex-United uh, player Darren Fletcher. Um, and Matt Judge has now been given the title of, uh, what is it, director of negotiations or something like that. Um, question for you guys. Are you guys excited about these new appointments or I guess a bit underwhelmed that we haven't gone and signed um, proven best-in-class individuals for the positions and that will in turn kind of lead to a bit more of the same and what I mean by that is so these guys 
um, the new technical director, or I'm sorry, not the technical director, the director of football, has been at United for, I think, the past eight years and is a known close confidant of Ed Woodward. And what is happening on the positive is that Ed Woodward is stepping a little bit further away from football matters, but the director of football will still be reporting directly to Ed Woodward, who will, of course, be reporting directly to the Glazers. So does is this going to be, and I guess we'll have the summer to tell, but are you guys excited about what this may mean for the future of how we conduct business going forward, or are you a little bit pessimistic? Um, Joe, I'll go to you first. Uh, first of all, I think it's great that these appointments have been made. It's a, definitely a long time coming and a step forward for the club in getting Ed Woodward as far away from transfer policy as possible. Uh, I had my heart set on Luis Campos, to be honest. Uh, I saw the work that he did at, uh, at Monaco uh, and various other clubs. Um, saw what he did with Mbappe. You know, I, th- I think he's made over 600 million worth of homegrown players from the clubs. Uh, so I'm re- I was disappointed that we didn't go for a name like that, but I can definitely see why these appointments have been made. It fits with Solskjaer's timeline of instilling the United DNA throughout the club and restoring what Sir Alex, um, like the values that he had at the club. So it's it's very um, it's it's nice to see that um, Solskjaer is sort of trying to, you know, build a family throughout the club. And although it might not be the names we were hoping for, it's it is a step forward. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Obviously, we won't know until time will tell if these are the right appointments. But it's not exactly um, like these are not people who have been brought in from the outside to change the club. This is a restructure within the club. Um, no one new has been brought in. So in that sense, you know, you can think, is anything really likely to change? Because these are the same people we've had. We've had um, the current director of football or now director of football for eight years. Fletcher's only been here for a short amount of time. Yep. Um, I'm not sure anything major is going to change because of that. And they have the same... So I assume they hold the same values and thoughts that they would eight years ago. Um, but uh, I'm not too sure about the appointment of Fletcher as a technical director. I think um, this is Manchester United, the biggest football club in the world. Um, and I'm not sure it's good enough to simply hand out trial runs, as, as I would say this to inexperienced coaches. Uh, you need extensive experience in the role if you want to do it effectively. And you have to go out and get the best of the best. Um, obviously, as I said before, time will tell. I'm not completely sold on these appointments. I'm not sure they'll do the club a world of good, but it's better than nothing. Agreed. Agreed. Rohit, um, what do you think about the appointments and do you think that they will bring about change going forward? First of all, my, my position is on this director of football topic is I'm not so worried about the designation, right? But it's about somebody doing that job, right? Having a clear footballing strategy, overseeing recruitment transfers. Uh, and if you if anyone's confused as to why we need that job being done, by somebody at the club, just look at the last eight years. Yeah, since two thousand and thirteen, um, there's a lot of 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 nonsense going around that the Glazers don't spend money at this club. There's been a huge transfer budget. We've broken the world transfer record on Paul Pogba. We've signed some really expensive players, but where are all of them? Right, the tra- the the success rate was really really low, but it's been much better in the last year and a half, two years since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been around. Not perfect, but much better. Uh, in principle, where we are lacking is we are not quick enough, right? Now, the problem earlier was we are getting get coming to the party very late, but we've seen that we've been much better when it comes to signing new talent, right? We are very close to Jude Bellingham also, quite close to signing Erling Haaland before he, he went off to, to Dortmund. Um, and then we've got the great success stories of signing in terms of getting the players through in Ahmad Diallo, Facundo Pelestri, uh, Hannibal Mejri. There, there are a number of them. Yeah. So we need to get better. We are getting better at it. And the challenge now that comes to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is with the squad getting bigger, hopefully, the time that he needs to man-manage the players, you know, and the better the man-manager you are, the more you can get out of your team not just in football, but in other matters of life as well, um, the less time he will have to focus on these other topics of you know, negotiations, so on and so forth. So I think it's the right time where 
we are scaling to a level where you can have somebody giving a little bit more focus to these topics. Now, Matt Judge has run things a certain way. Um, I think that he's one of the problems, in my opinion, uh, that needs to change his ways in terms of the speed and how he negotiates. That's what I've, I've heard so far. So I'm very happy to see that he reports now to the director of football. Yeah? And this is going to be a bit of a, a change. So I think that there we're going to see probably more accountability, uh, more speed with John Murtaugh also being in, uh, in, uh, in, included in these negotiations, especially the bigger ones. And I feel that we will have better results, not perfect, but better transfer decisions and, and uh, effectiveness. Now, important is how we give time to the structure to start showing results. Because remember, like I mentioned earlier, this isn't going to be a standard transfer window because we need players, but the finances aren't going to be 150, 200, 300 million pounds being thrown around, obviously, because of COVID. So we should not judge too quickly. It's going to be a learning curve. Um, in terms of who's done it, or sorry, who's been appointed, um, look, I also agree that it would, it may have made a lot more sense to have a proven guy like Luis Campos with all the great work that he did at Monaco. Uh, there are a number of, of, of names that have been bought up. Uh, people have talked about also Edwin van der Sar coming back and doing that job yeah, and someday being CEO of Man United. But um, John Murdoch was very successful with the, with the women's team, if I'm not mistaken. He's been at the club. He knows the club inside out. He knows how it runs. He's got a strong relationship with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. He will learn and grow into the job as as days go, go by. Um, and uh, I'm sure at the end of the day, there's a reason that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sits in his chair and that, that the board of directors has made that decision on him. Um, so let's take this positively. Um, it's, it's great news overall and give them enough time to make the changes that are needed at this club and get us back to where we belong. Yeah, I think um, I'm in agreement with both of your points. I think um, it's going to take time to Rohit's point. Um, having said that, um, I'm also a bit skeptical to, to Joe's points that we haven't gone out and kind of signed um, best in class or hired best in class individuals to do the job. Um, but I also agree that it's better than no one. I was also someone who was interested in people like Luis Campos and um, even going as far back, um, I know a name that got floated about when we were linked to a director of football years ago was Paul Mitchell, who, um, correct me if I'm wrong, was at Tottenham and was at uh, Leipzig as well, I believe. Um, so I was kind of hoping to kind of see one of those names. But having said that, it's going to, of course, take time and the proof will, will surely be in the pudding. I think it's obvious where the first team um, needs to address certain holes and hopefully in the summer, Rohit, to your point, it's not going to be a normal transformer, but hopefully we can kind of see a clear strategy and a clear plan um, that will allow us to be a lot more efficient in our transfer dealings. Just because I think, um, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I'm pretty sure that we're all just sick of every summer we have something of a transfer saga, whether it was Sancho last year, whether it was, Harry Maguire and Aaron Wan-Bissaka taking far too long to get completed. The Bruno Fernandez transfer. I would like to see us turn into one of these other clubs. And I know it'll take time, but I would like to see us, hopefully this new structure will bring this about, where we kind of start to behave like a, something like a Bayern Munich, where if we like a player, we go and we get him, and there's no fuss, there's no sort of drama. And that might be a lot to ask us because we're Manchester United. But hopefully in the months and years and transfer windows to come, we'll start to be a lot more efficient in our dealings and start to behave like a lot of the bigger clubs in Europe. Um, now let's talk about AC Milan um, on Thursday. So uh, AC Milan currently second in Serie A. I think they're six points off Inter. Um, saw a squad report or a squad list released today. And they're going to be without um, a lot of players. They're going to be missing Ibrahimovic, Mandzukic, Hakan Chalanolu, Teo Hernandez, Ante Rebic, to name a few. 
Uh, so given that, Rohit, I'll come to you first. I don't know how much you watched AC Milan this year. Are there any players that you would say we need to be weary of given all the absentees that they have, or should we just go and kind of slap them and, and head um, home? Without Zlatan, of course, you're missing a lot of strong squad mentality. Over, there. I mean, a strong leadership that that drives that squad mentality, right? Um, I'm not super worried about the the AC Milan team, to be honest. Um, um, I give them all the respect in the world when they are at full strength uh, that they deserve, because there are some very talented players over there. Uh, they're second in the in Serie A for a reason, right? Um, nonetheless, I would say that. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is all about going out there and absolutely going for the jugular. Probably just like we... I mean, it's not the similar the style of play uh, as it was against Leeds. They're a very different team. But that's the kind of desire and hunger that we should be having and aiming to go there and, you know, just, just destroy them. Absolutely destroy and, 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 and uh, annihilate them. Sorry, when I say go there, I mean go to Old Trafford and get it done. Yeah, it's a home fix. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to, and I think it's 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 very possible. Um, we're sure we're losing, a, we're we're missing a couple of important faces as well. Uh, but we have enough talent in that squad to to uh, to come away with a with a really good scoreline tomorrow night. Right, uh, Joe. What um, players would you say we should be concerned about, if any? Or are you kind of in the same thought that, you know, we really shouldn't, this Milan side shouldn't give us Yeah, I I can see this tie being a walk in the park for United, and I hope it is too. Um, Their two biggest goal threats have been eliminated already in Rebic and Ibrahimovic. I think Rebic has 17 goals in 53 games, and Ibrahimovic has something like 18 goal contributions in 20 games this season. So those two being out, I can't see Milan scoring um, at all. Uh, I think it'll be... You know, we we got we have to go out there and try and score as many goals as possible tomorrow, especially considering Teo Hernandez is out. He's our left back, so if, if we've had Dan James there, that could be somewhere good to exploit his pace on the right hand side. Um, but I would like to get as many goals as possible, considering the fact Ibrahimovic could be available for the second leg in Milan. If we can get you know three or four maybe to, uh, on Thursday night and then play for a draw in the second leg, I think that would be the perfect scenario. Uh, Rashford and Cavani being out, that's going to be difficult for us. That's two big goal threats um, out. Um, but it'd be quite interesting to see if Martial goes back to the left-hand side where he played under Mourinho. I know he probably had his worst season there. Um, so we could see possibly Dan James on the left where he played at Swansea. Greenwood at the nine. And then uh, Martial maybe even on the right wing or up front and then Greenwood on the right. So there's a lot of food for thought there for Solskjaer as to how he wants to um, place his side out. But um, Milan lacks squad depth more than anything. Um, and they were recently knocked out of the Coppa Italia. They have two wins in the last seven. But um, I think they also have two consecutive away wins, which could provide some momentum in their on their trip. They could see that as a, using that to their advantage. Uh, they're a good side away from home. Um, but I'm, I'm predicting a, a walk into par for United, to be honest. Um, I can see us going all out and getting three or four. At least that's what I hope happens anyways. Yeah, I... I'm a bit I'm not sure I'm sharing you guys' sentiments about it being a walk in the park just because I look at this Milan team coming into the season I think the expectations of them are very very low and somehow they managed to ascend to the top of the table in Italy um and and were recently kind of knocked off by Inter. So what that shows to me is that regardless of the personnel this is a very good team, a very good unit. Um so even with all those players missing, I'm not sure I'm going to count them out just yet. I look at some of the players that they've got that I think could cause us problems, uh, Rafael Leao, a Martial-esque type of player, can play off the left, can play at center forward. Um, Brahim Diaz, a, f- a former City Academy graduate, I think he was there when Sancho was there. Um, he could cause us trouble. And um, Jans Peter Hauga is another player who plays off the wing, and I think he plays on the right, but he may play on the left. Um, and he's a Norwegian, so I would expect Ali will know all about him. And I think those three, and then uh, Joe, you and I had mentioned before um, we started recording, Frank Kessie from midfield has got, um, I think you said it was like 10 goals this season. So clearly he's something of a goal threat. So I think that I expect us to win. As I said on our last show, I expect us to win. But I also do think it might be 
a bit more difficult than we're all expecting. Now, given that and given all the injuries that we know we're currently um, suffering from, I think there's only but so many different ways that we could line up. Uh, Joe, I'll go to you. What would be your predicted uh, we starting eleven one for choice um, in goal? I think we're obviously going to go for Henderson. He's, this is going to be his third consecutive start for the team. He's been fantastic recently, and he's really, you know, making a case to be our possible number one next year. Uh, a back line yep. should probably be uh, Wambasaka, Maguire, Bay, and Alex Tellez. Um, I really like to see Tellez have a good game because I think he is a great squad player. I don't think he's good enough to be a, a week, week, week in, week out starter, but I'd love to see him have a good game. Um, I'd say McTominay and Maddox would probably make up the midfield too. Fernandez playing in the 10. Um, Martial on the left, Greenwood at the 9, and then Daniel James on the right wing. Okay, okay. And Rohit, what about you? What, what, um, is there anything you do differently from that, or is that pretty much uh, how you think we should line up for this game? I would say that, you know, it's it's time to to give uh, Harry Maguire a bit of a rest. Yeah, maybe it makes sense to have him uh, uh, rest and sit this one out and play maybe Bai and Tuanzebe together, Bai and Lindelof together. Um, you know, Maguire is is very fit and plays so many games, right? So. Good for him to get a, a bit of a breather. Agree with with Tellers. Uh, uh, there's no question about uh, Henderson, of course. But I would instead of playing one Bissaka, I would play um, uh, at least start Brandon Williams. You know, just we need to build a little bit of confidence in 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 Williams playing some games as well, just for that depth. Yeah, God forbid uh, one Bissaka gets injured. He can't be expected to just jump in willy nilly like that and maintain a, a level of uh, of uh, of quality. So he needs to develop and and build his confidence as well. Now, um, up front, uh, well, sorry, in the midfield, um, Matic I think is quite an obvious choice, and we've got to unfortunately we have to have either Fred or McTominay playing there. And they say unfortunately, uh, not out of disrespect to them, but because I would want them to have a bit of a rest. Yeah, they had a Really, really intense game against City. Um, but when it comes to the, the attacking lineup, the attacking front three, um, Bruno's uh, pretty much a no-brainer, uh, first on the, on the list. Um, and probably it makes sense to, if Cavani's not available, to have Greenwood as the central striker. Um, Dan James, yes, on the left because... Uh, sorry, Dan James on the right, most likely. And then... Uh, Cavani on the left, uh, sorry, um, uh, Martial on the left uh, could be one way to do it. Yeah. Um, so let's see, fingers crossed. Uh, I think Rashford will definitely need a, a break as well. So we'll be interested to see how the squad copes without, uh, without him. Yeah, for me, I think I would go with um, very similar Rohit to your lineup. I would go Henderson and goal. I would go. I would also go Brandon Williams right back, just because I'm worried about the amount of games. I know we talk a lot about how um, Harry Maguire hasn't missed many games. Aaron Wambasaka has. He plays pretty much every game as well, so I'm I'm sure he probably needs a rest, and I'd like to see him be given a rest, just because. You know, if ever if something were to happen to Aaron Wambasaka and we need to call on Brandon Williams, I'd like for us to kind of give him some reps so that he'll be ready. So I start him at right back. Um, I would go by uh, again. Don't know the issue with Lindelof's back. I'm sure it's going to be a recurring issue until something happens there. So kind of want to manage that situation. Um, and I would I would start Harry Maguire in this game, just because you know I I like us to just kind of be secure defensively um, if we can put a couple goals past these guys and then kind of if Ibrahimovic does play in the second leg, um, it'll, the tie will hopefully be kind of done and dusted. Um, so then maybe we, re- we rest Maguire in the second leg, possibly. Um, I may change that on the next episode though. And then I'd go Tellez left back. I would go Fred and McTominay in midfield. Just again, they've played together. And again, I kind of think we should try to get this done as quickly as we can, if we can, um, and we know what we're going to get from Fred and McTominay. I feel like Matic is kind of – it could be all right, but it could be awful too. Um, and that doesn't really matter if he's paired with Fred or if he's paired with McTominay. So at least with McTominay and Fred, we know that we're going to get work rate. We know we're going to get bite. 
So I go with them in midfield. I go um, Dan James left, Bruno at 10. I'd go Greenwood right, and I would go uh, Martial at center forward. That would be my predicted starting 11. And I think that that is pretty much all we have in terms of options at the moment. So now let's look forward to the game at the weekend. We play West Ham, a team that I guess we can consider them rivals for a Champions League place. Um, West Ham, I look at that team, and of course, Jesse Lingard is clearly their – well, not clearly, but he's a big threat of theirs. And, of course, he won't be able to play because um, we loaned him to them. So, Rohit, who would you say we need to be concerned about uh, from West Ham? <laughs> I think the answers are obvious, but I'll ask you so, anyway. Uh, off the top of my head, in terms of players who I would normally be worried about, is first of all, Mikael Antonio is a very, very potent striker. Yeah. Uh, the kind of, of guy who will cause us yep. to do a, make a stupid mistake uh, in the defense. Um, uh, Thomas Suchek is here. He keep, keeps popping up with these goals, and uh, he's had a really good good uh, good season as well, uh, especially from set pieces. Right, he scores quite a few headers. Um, now, besides that, we've got uh, our, our favorite target for the for the summer window in the defensive midfield area, Declan Rice, who. Uh, will probably be deployed to man mark Bruno Fernandes the yeah. whole game, um, and uh, look from from set pieces. Cresswell has scored against us in the past. You know he's a strong left footer, left footer. So I'd watch watch out for him on set pieces as well. And you know we we like to concede those unnecessary free free kicks near the box, so that could punish us. Um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, about it. Yeah, and uh, yep. That's that's what I would say to do we need to to be careful about unless I've missed somebody. Yeah. Uh Joe, what do you think about West Ham's threats? Um anybody different from who Rohit mentioned, or is that pretty much? Yeah, I think all you, West Ham you can't look past Suchak as a goal threat. Um he scored against us in December whenever we played them away, thanks to some horrific defending from Alex Tellez. Um, but thanks to Luke Shaw's resurgence, hopefully he'll start that game and I don't think that will happen again. Uh, it really is a blessing that Lingard won't be playing against us. He's in, I know we had that um, really good patch in 2017-18, but I think he's in one of the, he's in the almost a form of his life at the minute. Um, I think before uh, before uh, we started recording here, I made some, I was making some notes about his season. Um, before, I, before we started, he had more goals in the league this season than De Bruyne, but De Bruyne has just put uh, two past Southampton, so unfortunately that's ruined that stat. But um, I think that the the job that Moyes mm. has done with West Ham this season has been exceptional. No one, um, ex- I don't think, except um, expected them to be fighting alongside us for a Champions League spot. Um, I think Rice was fantastic last time out, and as Rowett said, he'll be man marking Bruno, trying not to give him a single sniff in the game. But I think Mason Greenwood is going to be a really big player in the game. Uh, he scored the did he score the the second goal again in, uh, in December? Really nice finish yep, on his yep. left. Um, so I think we can definitely exploit his, or sorry, use to our advantage his pace and creative ability. because um, West Ham wouldn't have the quickest defense, and I think what our our forwards have is just a lot of pace. We have bags of pace. Um, need to use the wings as much as we can. Um, hopefully Rossford is going to be fit enough for the game. Uh, this rest against AC Milan. His fingers crossed going to do him a world of good. We can all join in a, a prayer circle ourselves before the game um, see if he's fit. But um, it's going to be a tough game. They're fighting for top four at the minute. We're slipping into a top four race. Um, we're slowly starting to lose that, uh, the grip on the whatever title hopes we had. So it's a must-win game. And by, you know, and we need to go out there all guns blazing get the three points and just keep going so we can really finish strongly towards the end of the season. Yeah, um, I agree there. I think for me, the players, um, additional players that I think we need to look out for, Jared Bowen and Jesse Lingard's absence, I would be kind of worried about him. I think he kind of tormented Alex Tellez. Um, he lines up on their, on their right-hand side, I believe, so it'll be our left. So he'll be up against Luke Shaw, and I would expect Luke Shaw to get the better of him, but I think he could be a potential danger man for them. And then another player, Saeed Ben-Rama, who um, I've had a chance to see a couple of times when West Ham have played. Another Mara's type of really tricky winger who, you know, on his day can 
give anybody problems. So um, in addition to, you know, Antonio Suchek um, and Declan Rice just kind of marking Bruno Fernandez out of the game, I think those two guys could also be um, – and, of course, Aaron Cresswell, I think those two guys could kind of give us some problems if we're not on it from the, from the whistle. Um, now, Joe, you made an interesting point about Marcus Rashford and praying that he's fit for the weekend. Let me ask you this question. I don't know. Obviously, we know that he doesn't have ankle ligament damage, so that's good news. Now, we've also heard reports about him having this longstanding shoulder problem. Do you think, if it were you, do you think given what he's now dealing with with his ankle and what he's been apparently dealing with all season with his shoulder, um, and he's only going to have a week off, if he, he's not going to play tomorrow, all he's ruled him out in this press conference today, would you start Rashford from the, Would you start Rashford in the game against West Ham, or do you think it might be the better decision because we're going to need him for the run-in to keep him on the bench and call upon him if we need him for the game against? I think, West unfortunately, uh, as much as uh, I'd like to preserve him, uh, we need him. We need him. To, he makes our front line tick most of the time, anyways. Um, the injury concerns are definitely a problem. It was around this time last year he had that back injury, which if it wasn't for the lockdown, he would have been out for the rest of the season probably we wouldn't have got third in that case I don't think um, despite Bruno's heroics but yeah I think we need to start him on the left hand side he he brings absolutely everything that we need to that um, left wing spot it's going to be you know a race against time to the end of the season whether he can hold up or not um, I think Henry Winter reported that he may have to have so- uh, shoulder injury uh, after the Euros which is slightly concerning that means that he has two niggles going. He has the ankle injury and he has the back injury. So, Or sorry, not the shoulder injury. I assume he's recovered from the back one. I hope so anyways. I don't think yep. we can afford to drop him. I think there's a lot of players in this side. Um, obviously, squad depth has been one of the biggest problems. We need to start you know, investing. I know, as Rohit said, we're not going to have a 200 million summer like we would all hope and bolster the squad with all the depth in the world. So it's going to be difficult if um, it does come to the point where his injuries make him so that he can't play anymore. Um, but he's too good to drop, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Rohit, what are your thoughts on if we need to be trying to preserve Marcus Rashford simply by putting him on the bench for the game on Sunday? Or do you think we need to play him from the start, kind of even <laughs> if he's not 100%? <laughs> that's, that's or nowhere a, near that's 100%, really tough I should one, say. Because even if he's not 100%, Look, remember what happened last year, right? Uh, I was at the Wolves game when it was, we won 1 0, Mata scored. It was an FA Cup game. And if I'm not mistaken, that's where he was on the bench, but he was absolutely chomping at the bit to get on the on, onto the pitch. And he pushed Ole to say, let me play, let me play. And then he got he got injured with a really bad, bad back injury, right, that we just mentioned earlier. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult. But it's not like, you know, you know, if you if you play, if you lose Marcus Rashford for a game, you do see it. He's he's one of the first first men on the team sheet with with uh, Bruno and Harry Maguire, right? So, I it, it's a very difficult one. I, I'd still play him, but uh, I I I uh, hope that that he has a bit of a, a good rest, a good enough rest at least, and he's ready. On a separate note. Uh, Knowing, I, I also read those Henry Winter comments earlier about him possibly needing surgery. I'm not surprised, unfortunately, but uh, I would say that Marcus has, in the last year, does a lot, done a lot off the pitch for England. Uh, there's a lot of good quality in that English squad as well. I think that he should probably think about not going to the Euros this year. Uh, difficult as that may be from a career perspective, um, and focus on requ- on on uh, recovering properly. Uh, and being prepared for the new season. But that's just me being also at the same time a little bit of a selfish Man United fan. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, and I think we're going to, I'm going to disagree with both of you guys here. For me, I think we should bench him um, and bring him on. I mean, we did it in the game in December, right? Where we kind of, the game wasn't going as we did, as we'd expected. And we brought him on and changed the game. I don't think he's going to obviously be anywhere near 100% fit for the game against West Ham on Sunday. And also, I'm kind of worried because he suffered a bad back injury. Obviously, you guys both mentioned this ongoing shoulder problem that may require surgery. 
I'm starting to have a little bit of a concern about the injuries that he's kind of continuously picking up and how they may affect him in the long term. So I kind of would be keen for us to start trying to kind of protect him from himself a bit. Um, so I would personally start him on the bench. It would, it would pain me to do so, and I won't be mad if we play him from the start just because, as you guys have both mentioned, he brings a lot to the team, um, not just attacking, but obviously we've all seen the clip going, for, or going back defensively when he sprinted probably halfway across the pitch to try to recover the ball, and that's what caused him to injure his ankle. So it would be a very difficult decision to leave him out from the start. But I, like I said, I think long-term, because I think we can all expect him to be in that England squad for the Euros, and we know that he's going to want to go and play at the Euros. So I think him sitting out of the Euros is probably not going to happen. So I think that United kind of need to try to find ways to try to let him, I guess, fully heal and recover from a lot of these injuries that he's picking up because they're only going to do him more harm in the long run. Um, so, and I guess last question on the pod for today, the starting 11 for the West Ham game, I have a feeling again, not much we can do uh, in terms of changes. Uh, but Joe, let me go to you. What would be, I'd go full strength to be honest, the West Ham and game? go all out for those three points. Um, Henderson, was Wambasaka, Maguire, Lindelof, Shaw, McTominay, and Fred in midfield. Fernandez at the ten. Um, pending Cavani, is he fit or not? I'm not sure he's going to be available for Sunday. To be honest, he's 34. Uh, players at that age take a much longer time to recover than others. So I'd say Rashford will probably be on the left, Martial yep. up front, and then Greenwood on the right. Okay, and Rohit, what about you? What are your um, thoughts on how we should line up against West Ham on right? Sunday? So, uh, I would do the, the Fred and McDominay combination, obviously, in the mid- midfield. Bruno, without a doubt. Uh, Defence is, is quite quite an obvious one. Though I would uh, probably play Eric Bailly in this game with, with Harry Maguire, you know, uh, just to take care of, of Mikhail Antonio in case uh, he starts that game. Now, uh, on the attacking side, uh, of course, uh, one Bissaka and Shaw without without a doubt, and Henderson and goals so full strength there. Um, in uh, from the attacking side, I would uh, use Cavani this game. I think he would he would be important, and I I think he sh- he should be well recovered by then. Uh, it's not been enough time, um, and also with him, I'd say Rashford should start, and uh, uh, Mason Greenwood. Yep, yep. And for me, I would go Henderson and goal, Wambasaka. I would also go by a center half, um, Rohit, to your point, to deal with uh, the physicality of uh, Mikel Antonio. I'd go Maguire, obviously, Luke Shaw, obviously, McTominay and Fred, obviously. And as I just mentioned, I think we should kind of start with Rashford on the bench and bring him on if, um, if we need to. So I would go uh, – I'm going to go – let me go uh, – it's a toss-up between Dan James on the left or Anthony Martial. Never thought I would be comparing those two for a starting position at Manchester United. Um, I'm going to go Martial on the left. Um, assuming Cavani is fit, going to go Cavani at uh, center forward. Bruno, of course, at 10. And then I'm going to go with uh, Dan James on the right. Nope, I'm sorry. Let me go Mason Greenwood on the right. And that would be how I would uh, – line up against West Ham. And um, I think we're going to avoid doing score predictions unless you guys want to, just because I, I like the the idea that Rohit posited last week was just to kind of avoid the predictions and maybe we'll get the, we'll get a surprise. So hopefully by not predicting the scores this week, we'll get um, yeah, two, three, no victories and we'll get no so, injuries. Um, I'm going to predict a draw for this game as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, pre- I think I predicted a draw as well. Um, just keep quiet. So I'll I'll just not say anything about it. And Rohit, I'm sure. Yeah, and Rohit, um, uh, you're predicting another surprise no, for both these games. I, I take the it. Game should be a two 0 victory for United, and uh, the West Ham game will be a very laboured one nil. 
Yeah, I guess at this stage of the season, all that counts is, you know, winning and advancing in the cup competitions and getting the three points in the league and kind of cementing our spot at, uh, at two. I feel like that needs to be – I hate to say it, as, a, as United fans, we obviously don't aspire to be second place, but I think that would represent clear progression, obviously, from last year's third-place finish. Finishing comfortably at second, I think, is clear, undeniable progression. Yep. So I think that needs to be the target going forward. But – All right, guys. Well, that has been this week's episode of the Talking Manchester United podcast. Rohit and Joe, thank you so much for joining me as always. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Talking Manchester United. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave us a review.